You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're broadcasting live across the Chorus Radio Network. Got a cool show for you today. Later on in the hour, we'll be talking with Paul Davis. He's an internet and social media safety expert. How to make sure that your teens are safe online and through social media. You'll be surprised at uh, some of the answers. We'll also be talking with Peter Nowak. He's a tech journalist with the Globe and Mail and CBC. Talking about the streaming wars in the future, will we still be getting our TV through cable and satellite, or is it all going to be going through the Internet? You'll want to stay tuned for that uh, discussion as well. Andy, lots of uh, tech news this week. Uh, I think a big thing uh, for uh, a lot of users out there that use Gmail, uh, it's changing. Yeah, Google just announced this new feature called Inbox, and basically what they're trying to do is reinvent or or push uh, what we know as email, because email hasn't really changed a lot, Mike, in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years. Uh, what they're trying to do is have a new approach on it and how you treat your inbox, and that's what it's called as inbox. And basically what it's trying to do is group all the your emails into different categories. Just like how Gmail uses search algorithms, they're going to be searching your email and then trying to predict what is important and what isn't important and uh, group it up. So Right now, it's only invitation only. I actually applied for an invitation. I haven't heard back from Google yet. But uh, if I do get one, Mike, I'll, I'll give you an invite as well if you're interested. Well, I, I always find these, uh, these tech companies, when they make these radical redesigns to their interface, oh, like Windows 8, it always works out very well. <laughs> That's true. The, the, the secret is to do it in increment steps. But uh, with this new inbox, it's a radical shift on basically how you treat email altogether. I'm looking at some of the screenshots, and it is different. It's very different. And what they are re recommending right now is if you're going to get this inbox, try it on the web browser first, just because you have that bigger screen, before you move into the mobile app on your smartphone or tablet, because that's what's going to be a radical shift. But I, I do like what, what they're trying to do, because a lot of people treat their inbox, Mike, like a, a to-do list. So if there's an action item in an email they need to get back to someone, they'll, they'll read it, but then they'll click unread. And so that they know that I have an action. And that's essentially what this inbox is trying to do is to make email like your to-do list where you could actually read an email and s put it on snooze where it'll come back and remind you again that you have to do this later on. So um, I think it's going to take a my lot whole, of... My whole inbox is on snooze. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of those types. Like, there's different types of email users out there. There are those who have to have an empty inbox. That's, they find gratification from that. I think you like to leave all that spam. Like you I, I leave everything. I, I mean, I get rid of the spam, but that my inbox is my whole life, and I just I have everything in there. But do you like sort it out? No. Like, <laughs> I you know some you know there's some months you know I'll you know wake up one morning I'm going to clean up my inbox and sort stuff, and I I do that for half a day, and then it just all goes to hell. Well, when Gmail first came out back in 2004, they made a radical shift because. During that time, people were deleting emails. And with Gmail, they said, no, 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 don't delete emails, archive them. And I remember that because that was a radical shift. I'm like, I, I don't actually have to d delete this. I just leave it there. And really, the reason why is because you could use the search function later and to get those emails any, from any point in time then on. Well, I just find the search functions in all these email programs are so powerful now. I can just search through everything within seconds. Exactly. Both of us aren't like, we know people at the office who will categorize emails into different folders. Uh, I never got into that. And it seems like a lot of effort, but I can just use search and I'll know um, if I need a, a certain search term. 
I can find that email, even though there's 20, 30,000 emails in that inbox. I could still find it. Good luck, Google, with uh, the new Gmail interface. And that's just uh, invitation only right now, Andy? It's invitation only. You can actually uh, request an invitation from Google if you go inbox at gmail.com and then they'll get back to you and maybe in a couple of days you'll get an invite and then you can invite your friends but uh, right now it's invitation only which was the same way they released gmail back in 2004 it was an invitation only uh, service also in the news it uh, looks like apple's having some uh, challenges again with uh, icloud uh, but this time uh, in china yeah this is uh, a very interesting story basically Apple, the last frontier that they're really trying to capture is the Chinese market. But at the same time, the iCloud service and, and basically the whole iOS 8 upgrade has basically made it impossible for them to, to participate with law enforcement and agencies, government agencies, to give them that information. They basically are saying, we don't even have the ability now to, to give you that information. Now, the Chinese government, everybody's thinking that this, this hacking of iCloud is happening by the Chinese government because it's what's called the man in the middle attack. So when you have all these people who just bought an iPhone, the Chinese population, they're trying to sign up for an iCloud account. And the way that the encryption is, it's so tough once they've signed up that they're trying to get it right in the middle as they're signing up. So they're trying to get their login information. And that's what this, uh, this basically hack is happening is it's redirecting them to what they think is an iCloud account. They put in their, their email, they put the password in, and then suddenly that hacker has access into the account because they have that login credentials. And so everyone thinks that it is the Chinese government just based on the servers that were used, that it must have came from somewhere in the uh, government. But that hasn't been proven yet. But Apple is definitely having difficulties uh, trying to get into that market and to stay in that market. And Google has had the same problems as well, we know, um, working with the uh, Chinese officials. But a very lucrative market. I mean, they've got over a billion people, hundreds of millions of potential customers for their uh, products. So obviously it's something that uh, they want to try to uh, overcome. But at the same time, um, the government over there wants to be able to know what, what's going on with their citizens. And um, they're very connected. They're, they're one of the most connected populations in the world the problem is is trying to get in there and try to play by their rules at the same time having that freedom that uh, we have over here and and the uh, protection of our identities online. Another interesting thing uh, you pointed out this week, Andy, uh, anti-spam law is going to, the Canadian one, is going to target software makers starting in January. So we know that, uh, you know, companies have had to change the way they communicate with their customers, uh, getting permission to send out emails and what have you. Uh, but now this law would be targeting software makers as well. Basically, any company that requires you to download any piece of software, they want that company to have to give you consent. On the surface, that looks completely uh, rational and, and a, a logical good step. But at the same time, the especially law uh, lawyers and stuff are wondering if it's too far-reaching because it might actually hinder legitimate companies from wanting to release products to the Canadian market because if they did it without the consent, they can get a lot of fines. So it, it's tricky on how this is going to do because really what they're trying to do is eliminate spam. And I think everybody wants that eliminated. But at the same time, there's a lot of legitimate software out there that might be hard for them to get it onto your computer because of all the consent that they have to um, enable within the whole process of downloading that software. So it's going to be interesting to see how that rolls out. I believe it's rolling out in January, 
So we're, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of emails about that as well. But hopefully it works to stop spam because I know we get this a lot on this show, Mike, is people always um, are calling us about the toolbars that they get, the extra toolbars. Yeah. And that's basically that spam that we see um, from downloading software, which you think is free, but it really isn't. Oh, it's horrendous. You know, I, I, I go over to my uh, parents' house, uh, you know, every Sunday, and my dad's got his computer set up there, and all the grandkids are constantly on it. Yeah. And that thing is the most polluted computer in Canada. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's like they download everything. Do you want this toolbar? Yes. Do you want this? Yes. I can't blame people, though, because it looks like a legitimate... Sometimes you'll see Adobe Flash update. Yes. Yeah. And you think you're you're doing an update on your Flash. No, you're not. Or Adobe Acrobat. They They trick you, and they're really good at it. So hopefully this legislation will stop that. But at the same time, I hope it doesn't hinder companies from wanting to release products in Canada at the same time. It's tough. You know, these laws come in place uh, and these these spammers always, you know, find some loophole or a way around it. Yes, they're very creative in, in how they want to uh, infiltrate our computers. That's for sure. Apple uh, has recently uh, updated their operating system to Yosemite. I guess this, that's their uh, their code name for it. Uh, with it, uh, it really ties in that whole ecosystem with their iPads and iPhones now. Uh, and I don't know if you had a chance to try this yet, Andy, but if you've got uh, an iPhone or an iPad running uh, the latest uh, version, I think it's uh, version uh, uh, iOS 8, and you've updated your, uh, your Mac or laptop to uh, uh, Yosemite, these things actually start talking with each other. Yes, and you can actually take calls now from your, com- your computer. Yep. So if somebody calls you, as long as your phone and your computer are on the same Wi-Fi network, you can take those calls. Actually, one of our editors has been taking a lot of calls on his computer. Oh, really? And it's, it's Does just, he like it? Uh, well, he must like it because he's yep. doing it all the time. But it's, it's kind of a different uh, shift you know, to like, I'm not actually talking to you with like, my hand on my phone. I'm talking to my computer and you're there. So it's a, it's a great ecosystem. I think Apple has done a fantastic job. The one criticism I have is really hard to leave once you've subscribed and you've invested into that ecosystem. Well, that's, that's the dream, though. It's interesting, though, too. Like, you can actually start an email uh, on your iPhone, and then if you kind of walk over to your Mac, you can actually pick up and finish that email there. It's just there. And that makes a lot of great sense. Isn't that crazy? It, it, it is I crazy. think it's cool. But I, you know, at the same time, Mike, I can do that with Gmail. I could, I could write an email on Gmail and go to my, my computer and continue that message. So it's not that cool, I guess. I think it'll just work better on the Apple stuff. Yes, but it's a locked-in <laughs> strategy. You can't leave. <laughs> Andy, what's the prize this week? We're giving away, because it's Small Business Week, we thought it would be, make sense to give away a small business computer. We're giving away the Epson Workforce. You mean, you mean printer? Printer. Did yeah. I say computer? Yes. Well, maybe, maybe next year. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we're giving away a printer, the Epson Workforce W630. This is an all-in-one printer that can print, scan, and fax. But what makes it special, it's using the new Precision Core technology. So this is an actual inkjet printer that you would use in your small business because it can have the same benefits as a laser. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com to enter and win. And of course, we always have other prizes up there, so you want to check it out as well. We'll have this contest open for a couple of weeks because it's a big one and a good one. So enter, getconnectedmedia.com. This printer is actually quite amazing. We've had a chance to try it out in the uh, office and, uh, you know, for years we've been using lasers because yeah. we just felt it was cheaper and faster. But like you were saying, it's actually cheaper to run this than uh, uh, a lot of the lasers out there. And it is way faster. Uh, a few weeks ago I had to print out a presentation uh, for uh, a meeting I had. And we had to actually print out like several copies of this 45-page presentation. And the laser took for freaking ever. 
like I think an hour and a half went by and we only had like three copies out and I was about to be late for my meeting and we actually just sent it over to that uh, Epson workforce printer we had set up and it blazed it out. Yeah. It was was amazing. We've done speed tests like back to back with the laser and this thing beats it out and it's amazing because it's an inkjet and typically when you think of inkjets, you don't think they can have that performance, but this uh, workforce from Epson is fantastic. So it's a great contest. You definitely want to enter www.getconnectedmedia.com. A lot more to come. You're listening to Get Connected brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Still lots to talk about in today's show. Coming up later, we will be talking to Paul Davis. He's uh, an internet and social media safety expert. How to make sure that your teens are safe online. Again, the answer might surprise you there. And we'll also be uh, chatting with Peter Nowak. He is a tech journalist from the Globe and Mail and CBC. And we're going to be talking about uh, the streaming wars. I think a lot of people are familiar with Netflix, but... Other people are getting into the game, like HBO, CBS, and up here in Canada, Show Me. So it should be pretty interesting. I know you're still not uh, a cable guy, are you? No, I'm, a, I'm what they call a cord never, someone who went and never got a cable subscription and now owns their own home and still doesn't have a cable subscription. So uh, uh, this Show Me thing is going to be interesting to talk to with uh, Peter Novak. Well, we've got something cool coming up here in Vancouver next week. It's the uh, annual Soho Conference, Uh, a great uh, thing to attend if you're a a small business uh, wanting to learn how to uh, market and grow your your company, uh, and also a lot of great technology uh, uh, panels and discussions there as well. On the line right now, we have uh, Mo Samani from Soho. Thanks for coming on the line, Mo. Well, thanks, uh, Mike, and thanks, Eddie, for uh, for, uh, inviting me to be on your show. Uh, I'm always excited when you have your conference, Mo. You guys do this every single year, and I've had the uh, the fortune of actually uh, coming and uh, speaking at your Calgary and Toronto event uh, this past month. Uh, can you tell our listeners what's in store for them here in Vancouver? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the uh, show is uh, is uh, basically it's the seventeenth year, and uh, it's all focused around the uh, the opportunities for small businesses to overcome their key challenges in their business. What we found is that, that the challenges are sales, marketing, technology, and finance. And so what we've done this year is we've put together expert panel discussions uh, for each of those sections uh, of, of business and, uh, and, and with some amazing, amazing entrepreneurs, uh, experts, and CEOs uh, that participate in so interactive Q&A sessions. So all the attendees get the opportunity to ask questions uh, to help them overcome those challenges in their business. I, I really enjoy the uh, the panel discussions. You uh, typically get some uh, pretty cool guests. Who are some of the guests uh, coming to the Van- Vancouver show? Well, our coolest guest is Mike Agarbo. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he's the coolest, but uh, let's, yeah, let's put him uh, at the bottom. I, I, it's only I, I up from there. You're very humble, Mike, but you did an amazing job in Calgary and, 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 uh, and Toronto as well. And just to get to that one, there's the technology panel that we did, Mike, with you. Um, primarily what it is is that we wanted to kind of showcase some of the coolest technologies and apps that are out there for small businesses that they can use to increase productivity and save time and save money uh, on a day-to-day basis. And uh, so I think that's a really cool uh, cool uh, uh, panel there. It was very, very well received. Uh, we have, um, uh, you know, David Potter from GoToMeeting who talks about different types of mobile apps and, and how, to, how to run your business virtually. Uh, we have yourself, obviously, as a as a tech guru, and then we've also got uh, a, a gentleman from Samsung, Brett uh, Stenner. He's going to be uh, talking about some of the cool apps that you can use on your mobile phones. Um, and then along with that, we've got uh, uh, some experts from Bell 
uh, as well to kind of support the uh, support the uh, the panel. And the, the other panels are, are you know focused on areas of marketing, which is a really big challenge for small business. So we have experts from Food Suite uh, uh, on there as well, along with Brian Scudamore, who's uh, from Eight Hundred Got Junk, who's known as a marketing guru with uh, you know with running Eight Hundred Got Junk, One Wild Painting. Um, you know, all these great brands that he's put together. So he's going to talk about that. And one of the key areas that we've all been uh, affected by is email, just with the new Castle law. So the experts will be kind of discussing, you know, how email has affected uh, small businesses with the Castle law. And is social the only way? And, and, how to, and primarily the main focus that they're looking at is how to get the attention of your customers on the online space. There's just so much going on. So lots of different things like that. Uh, I, I know you also have uh, an exclusive uh, lunch session as well. Can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah, that's pretty exciting this year for us. Basically what we're doing is uh, is uh, we have a, a, um, a private lunch with Dell. Uh, Dell is launching Dell for Entrepreneurs uh, in Vancouver. Uh, they did their launch in Toronto as well. And uh, primarily it's really focused around uh, startups and incubators and how to support the startup communities uh, in, in, in Canada. And so uh, our special guest will be Kevin Piesker, who's the uh, president of Dell Canada. And uh, he's going to be uh, having a conversation with a couple of great entrepreneurs on, uh, on, on, a, on an interactive panel again uh, and kind of launching and telling you a little bit more about the Dell for Entrepreneurs program. I think one of my favorite parts of uh, the conference is your one-on-one uh, coaching sessions, uh, and, and people can sign up and actually and talk one-on-one with an expert in different fields like marketing and, and finance and what have you. Yeah, exactly. So what we do is we, uh, we start off the day in the morning with a super meetup, and we have these sign-up boards, uh, and within the first you know, hour of the, of the, of the event, the, uh, the the sign-up board gets totally you know, totally filled up, so I suggest anybody to come early. And the and the experts are amazing. So if you want to have like legal advice, um, you know, financing. If you want to know more about sales, how to grow your sales, uh, marketing. We've got uh, uh, sessions that are doing free website assessments on customer loyalty for your website. Um, a lot of great stuff, and it's all free. And we've got, I think, about nine coaches this year uh, that are going to be uh, um, sitting down one-on-one with uh, with attendees throughout the day. Um, and it's a pretty, it's probably one of the uh, most popular areas of, of of the conference on the exhibit floor. Mo, where can people find out more information about the conference? Yeah, definitely. So they can go to uh, VancouverSME.soho.ca. That's the uh, website directly for the for the Vancouver event. And uh, if they uh, if they use promo code um, blink, what they can do is um, is they can register for a free day pass, which gives them access to all the expert panel sessions, all the exhibit areas, all the coaches. We also have some amazing workshops that are included in that, which is uh, uh, you know a LinkedIn workshop on how to do more business on LinkedIn, as well as an intellectual property workshop on uh, on the legal side, and then also we have. Uh, and then we also have some business fund competitions on the floor. It's a really interactive uh, opportunity for businesses to get together and network, connect, and, and really try to find some new and innovative ways to, to, uh, you know, to take their business to the next level. That's coming up this week. Soho.ca is uh, the main website you want to check out. And we're also giving away a few tickets to the after party. And if you want a chance to win, email Andy at getconnectedmedia.com. When we come back from the break, we'll learn about the streaming wars. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Okay. 
You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo with Andy Barra. We're broadcasting live across the Chorus Radio Network across Canada. Right now, we want to talk about streaming wars. I think a lot of Canadians are familiar with Netflix down in the U.S. They also have a number of other competitors uh, coming into the fray. HBO, the guys that uh, make things like uh, Game of Thrones, they're going to be offering uh, an Internet-only subscription service for their content, as is CBS. Can Canadians compete or maybe even do it better? Rogers and Shaw have uh, announced Show Me, which will be uh, launching very shortly. On the line right now, we've uh, got our friend Peter Nowak, a tech journalist for the Globe and Mail and the CBC. Thanks for coming on the line, Peter. No problem. So uh, it's really heating up. Uh, obviously, for many, many years, uh, we've uh, been used to having like cable and satellite, but more and more people are getting their content over the Internet. Uh, what do you think of the new Show Me service from uh, Rogers and Shaw? Yeah, well, it's intriguing. Um, you know, the, the differentiating thing that they're trying to to go for is that it's, you know, they're really pushing this, we have better content than Netflix. Uh, so you remember when Netflix first started up, lots of complaints about how, uh, you know, there was, it was kind of like the bargain bin basement or, or the bargain bin of Walmart uh, in terms of content, you know, the movies that were like 30 years old that nobody really wanted to see even then. <laughs> Um, so show me they're really pushing all this stuff um, that's you know they, they they're talking about how they've gone and talked to consumers about what they really want to see and so they've got some good stuff on there they've got a lot of exclusive content they've signed up uh, like FX the FX network for example so they've got uh, it's the you know they're going to have American Horror Story and Sons of Anarchy and the League and that kind of stuff, um, and that's all exclusive to Show Me. So they do have some uh, some intriguing exclusive stuff going there. So uh, I've had, actually had a chance to see the the demo uh, as well. Uh, this is going to be a a service, uh, I guess, out of the gate here, just available to Rogers and Shaw customers. Uh, you'll be able to access it on. Uh, devices like uh, iPhones, iPads, and Android tablets and smartphones, uh, and also your set-top box if you're a Shaw or Rogers uh, customer. Uh, the pricing, I think, is eight bucks a month. Is that right, Peter? It's eight ninety nine. Yeah, same as Netflix or for new new Netflix customers. Do you think they're going to be able to make a dent? Uh, I know a lot of people in Canada have Netflix uh, now. Do you think people will add this to their, uh, I guess, monthly uh, bill or switch? Yeah, that's a good question, too, because I think there's a lot of um, uncertainty as to exactly... We've seen stories going either way that, you know, cord cutting or people getting rid of their cable TV subscription is uh, accelerating. Uh, But then we've also seen stories that are saying, well, no, it's actually not accelerating as fast as most people would would think. So it's kind of an open question as to exactly who is getting rid of or how many people are getting rid of their TV subscriptions. Um, That notwithstanding, Netflix still has a lot of subscribers in Canada, I think the official statistics are something like uh, a third of all uh, English-speaking homes are, are subscribers. So there are quite a few people who subscribe, both who don't have cable and who do have cable. Um, so this is so far showing it's it's coming as a as a you know you have to have the cable or internet service from Shaw and Rogers um, or Rogers. So it's kind of like a, it's not a it's not a standalone service like Netflix is, which is one of Netflix's uh, real. Uh, benefits, I guess you could say, uh, because anybody can get it. You don't have to be a, a subscriber to any specific company. Uh, that That's going to be a real um, obstacle, I guess, or a real handcuff for Show Me is that you do have to be associated with Rogers or, or, or Shaw at this point. They're trying to expand it to some of the other um, uh, companies like Bell or TELUS, 
Uh, but they, you know, they haven't announced anything on that front as of yet. So at, at the moment, they're looking like it's, a, it's somewhere like a couple of million customers. That's their potential market, whereas something like Netflix is pretty much the entire population. Well, it, it's interesting to me. I look at Netflix and, uh, you know, especially down in the U.S., they just dominate that category. You know, Hulu, uh, which we don't get up in Canada uh, yet, or if ever, um, is like a pale reflection of the amount of subscribers that Netflix has. Uh, do you think that a Canadian uh, alternative will be able to compete? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, and uh, it's funny, I was at a briefing uh, just earlier today with uh, with some of the Show Me people, and one of the things I asked them too was whether they could compete against, uh, specifically against Netflix. So Netflix has worldwide has more than 40 million subscribers, uh, and again. Rogers and Show Me, they're kind of limited to just a, a handful of million at this point of their own uh, of their own customers. So the thing is, though, is that they're bidding for some of that same content. They're bidding for the rights. So when they go out and they acquire these shows from FX, they're paying money for that. Uh, and they're but they're not at the same scale as Netflix is. So when Netflix goes out and bids for a show, uh, obviously they're not getting rights to a, a particular show in every country that Netflix is in. But you have to you have to imagine that at some point they're getting some sort of package deals for several countries at once. So I, I'm not sure how Xiaomi is going to be able to compete against Netflix on, on that front. Uh, Netflix just has a lot more size and scale when it comes to negotiating uh, content deals. So I think that's, that's the real question, because um, ultimately that's going to result in higher costs for subscribers. And if Xiaomi ends up having to raise their prices, much higher than Netflix, and you know that's not that's not going to do well for them. Peter, what do you think about um, one of Rogers and Shaw's competitors, Bell? Do you think they're going to come out with their own streaming service? Because I, I can't imagine them sitting on the sidelines for too long, uh, watching this all happen without trying to get into the game. Yeah, Bell was uh, Bell was actually one of the first to talk about this. Bell raised the whole idea of a Canadian Netflix uh, a while back during some CRTC hearings. There, uh, the company was saying that they were planning something like that. Uh, I'm not. I haven't heard much about what's going on there. If they're still planning to do that, I think uh, personally, I think it would be. Uh, that might be a bit too far. That might be almost like the straw that broke the camel's back. If you're if you're having Netflix and then Show Me and then something from Bell come along and compete, um, that's again you got a, such a small market in Canada comparatively speaking to what Netflix is going for. Um, to carve that up between three three different um, you know streaming efforts, that that seems like I don't think that's going to make sense for anybody. I guess then then throwing in the fact that uh, some of these. Uh broadcasters like HBO and CBS and I mean I'm sure NBC and ABC can't be far behind starting their own streaming service is that going to totally fragment that entire market yeah in some ways yes and no I think um, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that tele- all television is going online eventually it's just you know it's kind of happening in dribs and drabs with uh, this broadcast or sorry this network here and that network there um, it's interesting to see what's going to happen with HBO because HBO has actually been uh, somewhat quiet they haven't really detailed exactly what they're doing they're saying we're going online uh, but they haven't announced a price they haven't announced exactly when and they haven't announced there's some speculation as to whether they're going to do deals with, um, you know, like kind of like Show Me, where you have.
have to, if you want to get HBO online, you're going to have to subscribe to an internet service from uh, a U.S. provider, say Comcast or Verizon, I don't know. Um, they haven't announced all that stuff, so they're being kind of vague at this point. And uh, because of that, I think a lot of people are speculating that maybe maybe that's not their ultimate end game. Uh, HBO earns a lot of money from the cable providers as it is, so it's entirely possible that this network is trying to um, you know basically leverage or, or boost some of its own leverage when it's negotiating with those cable companies. Um, one one great example I like to bring up is um, the World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't know if you guys follow the world of wrestling at all, but excuse me, they um, uh, in the U.S. Uh, earlier this year they launched the WWE Network, which was uh, nine, I think it's nine ninety five uh, a month in the U.S. if you sign on for a six month agreement, and uh, this is actually a really good deal for wrestling fans down there because they get a whole bunch of catalog content, older stuff, but they also get access to the company's monthly pay per views, which are generally run you over forty bucks a month or sorry forty bucks each. Uh, per per pop, so it's an immediate savings there. Uh, now, as soon as they announced this network, uh, some of the cable providers started dropping uh, WWE pay-per-views. Uh, of course, they didn't like this company, you know, basically competing with them on their own products. So I think HBO and anybody else who's really going online and doing this whole streaming thing has probably looked at that and thought this is a taken a lesson from that. Uh, and I think that's maybe why HBO is being cautious at this point by not announcing those full details. And again, this is potentially a reason why they're uh, they they may be uh, looking to leverage better deals with those cable providers here. I guess they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them at this point. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to me. Um, you know, most of the content that Canadians like, unfortunately, uh, whether we like to hear this or not, is American. Uh, will Rogers and Shaw and Bell and all those guys be able to compete down the road when all these American broadcasters send their um, content online and you have to get their content through subscription? Um, it's, it's not like our Canadian broadcasters are really. Uh, punching out a lot of uh, Canadian content that us Canadians are wanting to watch. Yeah, and that's a that's a much broader cultural question too. Is you know, I, I guess it goes all the way back to um, the beginnings of CanCon, which is it's almost when you have a subsidized system um, in any sense that almost encourages uh, sometimes substandard products to be produced. Um, so that's it's always kind of been the question as to why there have been some successes, of course, the Canadian programs that have done well internationally. Um, just trying to think of some examples. I think Trailer Park Boys did okay in some markets, as did uh, I. I, I've been, I read something about Republic of Doyle being a big hit. Uh, can't remember where exactly, but somewhere outside of Canada. Uh, but by and large, a lot of the Canadian programs that are produced in Canada are not not all that exportable or don't do well uh, outside of Canada. So I, d- I don't think we have the budgets compared to the U.S. They got like ten times the budget. Yeah, exactly, and that's one of the big issues there. Um, so what's the future of all that once once everything goes streaming? Because I, I guess one of the big questions we had, we just had this big CRTC hearing a few weeks ago, uh, the Let's Talk TV hearings, where the... Uh, you know, people were arguing about whether those Canadian content contributions, because the broadcasters do have to contribute some of their revenue into this fund that then goes to help create Canadian programming. Um, so the question is, Netflix doesn't have to do that. YouTube doesn't have to do that. So are the broadcasters, uh, CTV and Global, are they going to have to uh, continue contributing to these funds 
uh, if they're going online only, just like you know CBS and HBO are. Uh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to shake out, but it's it does seem to be a bit of a, a it's a, a different playing field depending where you are. If you're a broadcaster, you're playing by different rules. If you're an online streaming company, you're playing by different rules. Uh, the the thing is, is that those two things are merging. So obviously, you're, you're going to have to uh, you know unify those rules somehow. A lot of change uh, coming up, Peter. Where can people find out more information about you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Peter Nowak, or you can uh, they can check out my blog, uh, which is alphabetic.com. It's Peter Nowak, tech journalist. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot, guys. When we come back, we'll learn how to keep uh, your kids safe on the internet and uh, social media as well. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here, broadcasting live across the Chorus Radio Network. We're going to talk safety now on the Internet, especially uh, protecting uh, our kids and teenagers. On the line, I have Paul Davis. He's an Internet and social media safety expert. Thanks for coming on the line, Paul. Thanks for having me. So uh, as a parent myself, I've got three kids uh, getting up into the teenage uh, years now. How concerned should I be about their safety online? They tell me they're safe. Well, of course, because teenagers allegedly know everything, right? So, of course, they're going to assure mom and dad that everything's good. The take I've always had is this. Um, depending on the age of your child, uh, it starts off with a lot of rules, guidelines, and consequences. And so when I've been on various news networks, I'll say, Paul, what's the key to keeping our kids safe online? And uh, they're expecting a technological answer from a techie. But I start off by telling them it's called parenting, putting rules in place for your child. You empowered them with all this technology. I have to remind you of that. You did. They can't buy this stuff on their own. And because you empower them with it, perhaps you should take a vested interest in what they're doing. So how do they use that device? Your rules, guidelines on how to use it, and failure to abide by your rules and guidelines as a parent, some consequences. And what's an example of a consequence? Why do you take away the technology you gave them and remind them that you're a parent and that technology is not there to parent the child in replace of you. It's there to help enhance education, entertainment, and we don't want them getting into trouble. So when I talk to parents of teenage uh, kids, it's more conversation. When I talk to parents who have children under the age of 13, you know, some parents like to negotiate with their kids on the technology, and I tell them absolutely no negotiating. You know, one of the golden rules of safety, now from a parent perspective, is that these kids have a wonderful sense of curiosity, and when you give them technology, they're going to run circles around you. So where do you cultivate their curiosity? Well, as a parent... In your surroundings, not in their bedroom. You know, I've spoken from Ontario to Alberta, and I'm still waiting for a police officer to disagree with my statement that technology, a computer, an iPod, an iPad, an Android, connected to the Internet, does not belong in a child's bedroom. That's golden rule number one of safety. Get the technology out of the bedroom. And as a parent, guide them in using that technology. And if you're not around, maybe you can take a break from the technology. So actually talk to them is what you're saying. Not well, I'm text. actually saying parenting. You know, it's yep. amazing. Um, the, the core of it all is, yeah, I've been in IT 25 years, and I can talk your head off about technology, but at the core of it, we don't need more technology to take care of our kids. We need more parents to guide our kids in using that technology, which is really take a vested interest and sit down with your child, obviously not at the dinner table with their devices, at another time and say, hey, what's going on in your iPad? What apps are you downloading? What are you using? What are you connected with? How many people do you have connected on this particular application? You have Instagram, you have a 1,000 followers, we've got an issue because you have no idea who a 1,000 people are. 
have a conversation with them and just take an interest and understand what they are doing in life. It's amazing how a lot of them will open up to you because you want to be part of the world and they get to educate you as the dad, right? No, that makes a lot of sense. And if they're not willing to share that information, you're basically saying be a parent and uh, there are consequences to that. Okay, listen, let's let's qualify. If they're 16 in, most, in the eyes of most individuals, well, you really can't take much away. Although, you know, some parents have said, listen, up until you leave my home, I will make the rules. But if your child is anywhere, you know, 14 years old, 15 or under, you can still make, put rules in place to say, look, I gave you an iPhone. Whether you know this or not, you can't go out and buy one on your own because you're not old enough. That's my device. It's in my name. And so subsequently, I'm going to put some rules in place in terms of how you're going to use it. If you don't like those rules, hey, I've got a simple solution. I'm going to buy you a flip phone because I need to get in touch with you in case of an emergency. And when you've earned that iPhone back, come back and talk to me. And when you learn responsibility in terms of how to use it, making sure you're not sending any inappropriate images, make sure that everything you're tweeting is respectable, making sure that, you know, no one is going to misuse the technology, you know what, we'll give it back to you. Up until then, maybe you have to learn your lesson. Where can people find out more information uh, about Internet safety, Paul? Well, if you're looking uh, specifically in having me come and speak, the way I structure my day is I speak to students in the day, anywhere from grade four all the way up to high school, and then I speak to parents at night. So the way I structure my day is I deliver an age-appropriate message for students in the day. I come back in the evening, and it's a 90-minute session for uh, parents at night in terms of, hey, this is what the kids are doing, this is what you've empowered them with, and this is your responsibility. So it's, a, uh, it's very much tech-savvy along with delivering it in a very... Um, in a very palatable way that parents understand it. It's not very geeky in terms of the, the conversation and a lot of acronyms. It's broken down so that everyone, and I mean, I've had people come to my presentation who've been in IT for 20 years and say, listen, you know what? You broke that down. I understand it. Everyone understands it. And I think that's what they need to hear, not to come in intimidated. And if they want to find out more about me, they can uh, visit my website. It's socialnetworkingsafety.net, N-E-T. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was uh, Paul Davis, Internet and Social Media Safety Experts. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio, broadcasting live across the Chorus Radio Network. It's that time of the week, app of the week with Christina. What do you got? I have an app made by Netgear, actually. They're the people who make those great... Wi-Fi routers that you buy for your home. So this app is called Netgear Wi-Fi Analytics, and it's spelt just the way you hear it. Um, And what it does is it actually analyzes the strength of your Wi-Fi signal in your home because you get a lot of dead spots depending on where your router is and where you're trying to work. Um, This helps you find those spots and work to resolve them. So you just basically launched this app. uh, And what platform is it available on? It is Android only, so available on Google Play. And so you launch this app, and then I guess you basically just take the smartphone around the house and find where the dead spots are? Yep, pretty much. And it will actually identify uh, crowded Wi-Fi channels for you as well. Very cool. I I have issues in my house. I've uh, actually used something similar. I forget the name of the app, uh, but uh, it was a it was a godsend because there were so many dead spots. Uh, I was able to actually see where they all were, uh, and then I switched the router out and went back, and uh, it had solved all of those. But it's kind of cool having that information on hand to to see if it works or not. 
Yeah, exactly. It's a great uh, it's a great tool, especially if your house is on the larger side and you need to look at other um, other items that will boost your Wi-Fi signal. So this yeah, helps like you range, with that. Like range extenders and what have you. Uh, so this one's made by Netgear. You don't have to have a Netgear router, right? No. You can use in any router. No. Uh, no Netgear router necessary. It's pretty cool. And I tend to uh, trust apps that are made by names that I recognize. I know Netgear makes makes good routers. So I'm sure this is going to work like a gem for everyone. And free. Free from Google Play. Check it out. You're back with Get Connected. Not much time left. Mike and Andy here. What's the contest again, Andy? We're giving away the Epson Workforce Pro uh, W4630. This is the, their new Workforce series that using that technology, Mike, that we saw recently called Precision Core. And like we've had that debate about inkjet versus lasers, especially for small businesses are going for lasers. But with this new Precision Core technology from Epson, it actually makes it more affordable to go for an inkjet. You can print faster, print more, and uh, have to replace your ink less with this prize. So go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com, and hit on the contest tab to enter and win. So all the time we have left, I want to thank the entire crew, the Get Connected crew that puts the uh, radio and TV show together, and, of course, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer. This is Mike and Andy logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time.